Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. 2019 will certainly have a lot of twists and turns in the world of environmental policy, but one thing it won't have is Ryan Zinke. This week on Parts Per Billion, we talk about the ousted head of the Interior Department and who might be succeeding him. Shalom and welcome to another episode of Parts Per Billion, the podcast from Bloomberg Environment. I'm your host, David Schultz. Christmas is coming up, of course, and we had a little Christmas surprise a few days ago with the announcement that Ryan Zinke would be resigning. Zinke was the first person to serve as the head of the Department of the Interior in the Trump administration, and we're here discussing his 22 months leading that agency with Bloomberg Environment's Stephen Lee. Stephen, thank you for joining us. Hi, David. Hi. Uh, So, Stephen, Ryan Zinke is out, or I guess he will be out at the end of this year, which is quickly approaching. Can you talk a little bit about why he resigned? I understand he was going to be investigated or was being investigated from a lot of different angles. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Zinke himself said that it was because politically motivated attacks had turned him into a distraction. And, you know, by the way, he was very honest about that. You've got to give him credit for that because usually people say, I want to spend time with my family, uh, you know, that sort of thing. He move, just, move on to bigger and better things. Exactly. He, he came right out. The point is, he's not leaving because of any policy disagreement uh, with the White House. I mean, he was carrying out the Trump agenda. But as you say, there were at least 13 federal investigations against him, just a whole range of things. Um, he, he was involved in a land deal in Montana with the CEO of Halliburton that raised conflict of interest, sort of pay-to-play questions. He blocked an Indian casino in Connecticut, allegedly after being lobbied by MGM Resorts, which wants to build its own competing casino close by. as allegations that he and his wife, uh, he, he allowed his wife to travel with him in federal vehicles. Um, he also angered President Trump when he said he would exempt Florida from the administration's plans to drill for oil off the Atlantic coast. That's something that the White House had not approved. You know, he became a distraction also when he recently accused uh, Congressman Raul Grijalva of being a drunk on Twitter. Yeah, that, that's that. That's not a good sign when, when the person who's going to be the chairman of the committee that oversees your department uh, is the person you're calling an alcoholic on Twitter. Yeah, and, and that's right. And, and Grijalva has said repeatedly, look, I'm going to investigate the hell out of Ryan Zinke. When Democrats take control of the House, Grijalva is clearly going to go hard on Zinke. He still is going to do that, by the way, even though Zinke is going to be out. Mm. And I think it's just Trump decided, you know, I, I don't want to deal with these kinds of smears in the news every day. 
Will Zinke's tenure at uh, the Department of the Interior be remembered for anything in particular? You know, was there a particular policy area or an initiative or something that, that he spearheaded that you know, we'll look back on it and think that was a Ryan Zinke development? Oh, there's a whole bunch of things that he did. I mean, all in, in, you know, consistent with the, the White House's kind of deregulatory push. Um, I mean, he, he reduced federal protections for two national monuments in Utah. Those were the biggest, it was the biggest single reduction of protected land in U.S. history. He ended an Obama-era moratorium on, on leasing public lands for mining. I mean, he has been just such an activist champion for development and the, his supporters, those in the uh, uh, in industry, you know they they love what he's done. They think that this is the 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 right way to sort of spur the economy, uh, make the U.S. Uh, energy independent. So it sounds like he was making the White House happy, with a couple exceptions. He was making industry pretty happy, but he just had these sort of personal uh, scandals or investigations into what he was doing that ultimately just became too much for. For him to to continue on, I think just too much of a distraction, you know. Yeah, who's on the short list to replace him? Um, you know, we have an acting head, or we will have an acting head after he leaves at the end of this month. But who, if anyone, is on the uh, short list to replace him permanently? Okay, so you're referring to David Bernhardt. He's the deputy secretary, um, former fossil fuel lobbyist. He is the front runner. Um, you know, he 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 has been the architect in the background behind. Interior Department policy for a long time now, and he's a lawyer. You know, he's he first served in Interior in 2001. He's a you know DC insider, and of course the concern about him is that he he the, the, you know he he has uh, allegedly conflicts of interest um, because he used to represent companies including Halliburton that would now stand to gain from his decisions. Okay, so he's. Clearly, uh, the number the number one candidate, and he's someone who is going to be serving in the uh, as the head of the department in an acting capacity until they find someone permanently. That's right. Yeah, and he would also have to be confirmed uh, again. He's been confirmed once already. That's you know one reason that he would be uh, sort of a, a path of least resistance because he you know has already been okayed by the Senate for his current job. Mm-hmm. There's other names that are out there. You know, you've got Senator Dean Heller of Nevada. Uh, who just who just lost his seat if, uh, last month? We should we should note. Yeah, so he's going to be looking for something to do. Sure. Uh, you've got Congressman Rob Bishop of Utah. Uh, he's retiring in 2020, so that's a ways off. But his name is out there. Uh, Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers of Washington. You know, there's a few names in the mix, uh, and I, I I sometimes wonder. You know, okay, so granted, as we said, Heller and Bishop are are shortly going to be looking for new lines of work. Mm-hmm. I always wonder why someone in a safe district, you know, would step aside from that job to right. take a job in this very chaotic administration where you could be vaporized in a split second. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Um, and one thing that I noticed about that list is that all of those names come from Congress uh, or either were in Congress or are currently in Congress. Is, is there anyone from outside of Capitol Hill, maybe someone from even the private sector who they're considering, or is it are they just sticking with uh, kind of you know congressional figures who you know have been vetted, have a background, and, and there are sort of known quantities? Yeah, it's a pretty short list. Um, you'll notice also that those uh, lawmakers are all from Western states. That's right. That's typically the the DOI secretary typically comes from the West. Uh, I, I think they're looking for someone who has. 
you know, okay, so Bernhardt, the, the the thing that makes him so appealing is that he does have real policy chops. Yeah. And so many people have made this observation that there is a parallel between uh, the EPA situation where you had this very colorful you know, sort of character. Scott uh, Pruitt. Scott Pruitt. Um, who, you know, eventually was replaced by uh, basically a technocrat. Yeah, Andrew Wheeler, who's the current acting administrator and uh, who the uh, Trump administration has nominated to be the permanent head of the EPA. Yeah, and a guy who knows how the system works, who who gets sort of uh, administrative law, regulatory policy. There's a real parallel there between that situation and the Zinke Bernhard situation. Same kind of thing, you know, moving to a guy who is sort of quietly behind the scenes. It, it, you know, a good chance he's going to be more effective. Hmm. That'll be interesting to see. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, where we'll be in 5, 10, 20 years. Will, will we be talking about Zinke's tenure and saying, you know, in 20 years or however long, you know, are, are we still going to be remembering things that he did? Or will a lot of the things that Zinke did during his tenure at uh, the Interior Department just be wiped out the next time we have a Democratic president who replaces uh, Zinke with someone else and undoes everything that he did? I I guess I'm wondering how lasting his accomplishments will be. Yeah, it's a good question. In theory, anything that's done by one administration could be undone by another. Um, It would take some doing. I mean, Zinke's impact on policy has been very broad. And so a new administration would have to be pretty committed to turning them back. And 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 some parts of the Zinke regime are going to be more enduring than others. So, for example, a Democratic president could easily reimpose the coal leasing moratorium. And that's actually in federal court right now, so it might be reimposed anyway. Um, and it's the same with the, um, uh, the Trump administration's five-year leasing plan for offshore oil and gas drilling. Um, a new president could come in and just wave that plan away. In fact, that's what Trump did. Any regulatory change is going to have to be undone by a new rulemaking. So, for instance, the um, the venting and flaring rule. Uh, that's for, for methane? Correct, yeah. I mean, if a new president wanted to change that and go back to the way it was under President Obama, he or she would have to embark on a whole new rulemaking. That can take years uh, and you know, depending on how serious the administration is about considering the science and and carefully weighing the costs and benefits, and then there would be inevitable legal challenges. So on the regulatory side, I think it's a it's a it's a tougher road. Mm-hmm. All right, that was Bloomberg Environment Stephen Lee talking about Ryan Zinke and the Department of the Interior. For more of his reporting, visit our website at news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website once again is news.bloombergenvironment.com. This episode of Parts for Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs. Our editor is Marissa Horn, and our audio engineer is Nicholas Anzalata. Special help this week from RJ Jewell. The music for Parts for Billion is a message by Jazar. Check back in in the new year for more episodes, and have a lovely holidays, everyone out there. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. 
At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.